Welcome to Facts Matter, the podcast discussing Michigan public policy through a research lens. Facts Matter is brought to you by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan, the 106-year-old independent nonprofit research organization that provides unbiased information on the significant issues concerning state and local government organizations and finance. Our research can be found at crcmich.org. Now, let's dive into the facts that matter. To another edition of Facts Matter. I'm Monique Mansfield, the Communications Liaison for the Citizens Research Council, and today we have Esmat Isaac Osman, Research Associate at the Citizens Research Council. And Esmat, how are you today? I'm doing well, Monique. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for asking on this beautiful Wednesday. Um, just wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about the piece you wrote on understanding municipal bonding and the choice bonded debt. Very good topic. Very interested. Um, a lot of a lot of interest in that. Um, can you talk or can you break down a little bit what it means to have a municipal bond and why are they so important um, when we examine the current state of Detroit's finances? Yeah, absolutely. So. To start off with just a little bit of context. Uh, so as we know, government levies taxes on income, property, and the purchases of citizens to pay for public services. Uh, however, the cost of construction for safe and reliable infrastructure and equipment often exceeds that those annual general tax collections. So as an alternative, governments utilize bonds, allowing them to borrow to cover the cost of infrastructure construction. Now, what are municipal bonds? Uh, municipal bonds can be thought of as loans that investors make to governments, similar to a mortgage from a bank that a home buyer might have. In other words, a bond is a loan to a borrower where the borrower uses the money to fund a major investment and the investor receives interest on that investment, just like a mortgage or student loans, right? Uh, so municipal bonds are important when we examine the current state of Detroit's finances because they give us a picture of how indebted the city is. Indebtedness simply means the condition of owning money by a borrower. It is any obligation for the payment or repayment of money. So understanding Detroit's indebtedness provides us an overview of the economic burden the city's debts may have on taxpayers, because many of these municipal bonds are paid by taxpayers through property taxes. Thank you for that. Can you talk a little bit about the debt that the city has accumulated? Also, for the health to kind of um, explain the numbers, can you explain a little bit what they represent? Um, and just, uh, Monique, uh, we're getting really bad audio out of you. Maybe you start after. The end of his question and start over is that better that's better oh i'm sorry i'm sorry guys um so my next question was um can you talk a little bit about the debt that the city has accumulated i'm like where it came from how that um it racked up so much um i see that you created some graphs and some charts on your piece um, can you talk a little bit about what those means in reference to the debt that the city has accumulated? Sure. Uh, so the graphs and charts in my blog show how much debt the city has and what the city is indebted for. So starting with the graph, it shows a comparative analysis of Detroit's gross direct bonded debt across three years, that, those years being 2008, 2018, and 2020. 
The amounts in the graph include the principal outstanding on limited and unlimited tax general obligation bonds, as well as debts incurred from revenue bonds and other projects. Now, what are limited and unlimited tax general obligation bonds and what are revenue bonds? Well, municipal bonds are typically structured either as general obligation or revenue bonds. The difference between these two classes of municipal bonds are the repayment methods by the city. So a general obligation bond, also known as a GO bond, is backed by the credit and taxing power of a city rather than a dedicated revenue stream. They have the full faith and credit of the city, meaning that the debt is backed by the city's power to levy taxes to make all required payments. The amount of taxation that is available by a particular GO bond may be specified as either a limited tax or unlimited tax general obligation bond. So that is the difference between those two. Unlimited tax general obligation bonds must be approved by the voters and are repaid from property taxes that are levied specifically for that purpose. So an example of an unlimited tax GO bond uh, of such a voter authorized bond that was passed by Detroiters in 2020 is Proposal N, which received voter approval to remediate blight. Limited tax general obligation bonds do not require voter approval, and these bonds are repaid out of the general fund of the city. Now, revenue bonds are issued to fund public projects with dedicated revenue streams. So rather than repaying these bonds from dedicated property taxes or the general fund, they are supported by revenues from that revenue stream, such as water fees or state highway distributions. So moving on to the pie chart, it shows what Detroit is indebted for. It provides a breakdown of Detroit indebtedness, which include these general obligation bonds, revenue bonds, and debt from other projects. So breaking down these numbers, this pie chart shows that in 2020, Detroit had approximately $1.98 billion in gross direct debt, which was made up of $1.5 billion of tax-supported debt. That tax-supported debt includes $407 million of unlimited tax general obligation bond debt and $1.1 billion of limited tax general obligation bond debt. The other $457 million of that $1.98 billion gross direct debt is made up of revenue bonds and debts from other projects. And would you say these municipal bonds and revenue bonds are more beneficial to the, 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 the debt, I mean, the city of Detroit, or are they detrimental to the financial status of the city? So, you know, it, it, it's hard to say whether these bonds will definitive, definitively hurt or benefit the city's financial status. The city as a borrower, having the ability to borrow money from an investor, especially post-bankruptcy, is a good indicator of the city's credit rating. It means that the city has done a good enough job managing its finances and growing its revenue, which places us at, at a point where we now have enough to borrow money and pay it back with interest, right? So upon the city's return to the bond market on its own credit in 2018, the proceeds 
of the city's unlimited tax general obligation bonds, which were issued in 2018 and 2020, have supported the capital agenda's plan for investments in public safety, recreation and museums, economic development, and transportation. So these are all good things that are happening for the city. The city is being invested in, and it's a good indicator of the city's financial placing right now. A way to think about it when analyzing the city's debt is that cities with little to no bonded debt show that a city has not invested in itself, right? On the other hand, a city that has bonded, a city that has bonded debt approaching its maximum capacity shows that it is betting against future generations. And what I mean by maximum capacity is that there are certain statutory limitations that exist known as debt limits when it comes to how much a city is able to issue out tax-supported debt. And what would need to happen in order for the debts to be to the debts to be fulfilled? So payments on the vast majority of the debt will be spread out decades into the future. Um, they will come due annually through 2050. Um, it's kind of similar to if an individual, the, the kind of debt service or debt schedule that an individual makes on say a credit card or student loans or a mortgage. Um, you know, there's payments that need to be made over a certain period of time, right? Uh, in recent years, the city has taken actions to reduce recurring debt service and eliminate the prior debt cliff through a repurchase and refunding transaction. And a debt cliff refers to a critical imbalance in government's revenues versus obligations, which create a looming budget deficit shortfall. So um, the city has taken actions to eliminate that prior debt cliff that, we, that was pending against us. Questions, however, do continue to arise about the city's ability to service its debt, considering the unpredictable nature of the post-COVID world. Fortunately, Detroit is ostensibly $7 billion less indebted than it was pre-bankruptcy, having fewer claims on its limited resources post-bankruptcy. In addition, a number of Detroit's financial metrics have improved between bankruptcy and now, meaning that the city has fewer liabilities to compromise its financial condition, placing us in a more favorable position to pay back what we owe post-bankruptcy. So that's good news. That is great news, actually. Um, was, is there anything else that you would like to add about the municipal bonds and anything in reference to um, help the listeners better understand them or just anything you wanna add in general? Yeah, so this is, you know, this is the first, uh, this <clears throat> blog was an introductory blog as Citizens Research Council is planning to investigate more into this topic and dive a little bit deeper to analyze Detroit's debt situation as we get closer and approach the end of uh, the bankruptcy agreement that the city uh, got into in 2014. So in 2023, we will be approaching the end of bankruptcy agreement. And it's just important to know what Detroit's debt situation looks like as we approach that point and what sorts of economic burdens might fall on Detroit taxpayers as we move forward into the future. So this is the first of a, of a series that we are going to be exploring Detroit's municipal bonded debt. 
So in moving forward, do you plan to um, develop more pieces on what taxpayers may be um, or should expect as far as uh, the economic um, burden that they might have to fulfill? Yeah, you know, we're going to be exploring certain topics such as um, I mentioned briefly the statutory limitations that exist on tax supported debt, the debt limits. So exploring where Detroit is in comparison to that debt limit. Um, a lot of policy wonk things that will be more uh, simplified as we move forward in research into this topic, but certainly everything that we analyze will be connected to how it affects Detroiters. And that sounds great. Thank you so much for that, Esmont. Thank you, Monique. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Facts Matter, brought to you by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. See you next time.